to the low life podcast uh once again i'm back with the guys and a special guest i am coin ops mcgillicuddy um your other hosts are also scum hello shadow link hello hello and uh today we have a very special guest from the uk rob chant uh just does it all he's a writer he's a uh developing a video game and we are going to talk to him about that and everything else, I guess, whatever he feels like talking about. So, uh, Rob, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, that's always a tough question off the top of my head. I mean, I have long hair and a beard. Does that help? That's um, great. <laughs> yeah, I've been, uh, been into science fiction, cyberpunk for a long, uh, long time. I read, I read first read Neuromancer at the age of... 16 or 17 i think which was a pretty formative age to be uh reading something like that um and then it was this kind of uh you know from then on like cyberpunk was the thing like lived it breathed it um so uh yeah and then uh developing a writing cyberpunk developing a cyberpunk game that just kind of uh went on from there just spiraled out of control then right yeah more or less (laughs) <laughs> outstanding like so what else like you said you started reading with like uh you started with neuromancer what who else were you kind of picking through around at that time who else do you think would you consider to be a, like a luminary in the field cyberpunk specifically i mean it's hard to say um it's because there's not actually like this is a weird thing about it it's like this genre that's kind of especially at the moment, seems to be anywhere, everywhere. But I don't think there are, like, that many actual real cyberpunk books, you know? Um, okay. Like, more other media. But, I mean, I guess the obvious one's Neil Stevenson. I was never actually that partial to, like, Snow Crash, even though I know it's super cold classic. It's just a bit too tongue-in-cheek for me. Um, I mean, the guy's name is Hero Protagonist, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, just... I uh, just... A little bit. I mean, I love I love Neil Stevenson from Anathem mm. onwards, but yeah. yeah, I was never a huge fan of his like early work. Um, Alfred Bester, which ah. you know, pre pre the name so punk, but you know, the stars my destination, one of my favorite books. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I was reading a lot of Frank Herbert around that time. Oh, yeah. which I don't know if you. You'd say cyberpunk. Some people like would argue that it is, but then there's some people arguing that almost anything is cyberpunk. So uh, yeah, I think you could make an argument for it. You know, it's like far flung, you know, uh, evolutions of cyberpunk ideas. You know, the idea of a still suit seems pretty, uh, you know, against waste, as it were. Um, definitely, uh, definitely transhumanist. Yes. Yeah. 
you know, spice sounds fun. I just yeah. don't want to turn into the giant, you know, Lynchian grasshopper. Like in it says you, uh, hey, you know, whatever. If I can navigate spaceships with it, bring it. That's yeah. turn into a quirk infamy to do that. <laughs> for for now, I'll just like I don't know, hit a bowl and like play video games. I guess that's about the same thing. Yeah. Um. Oh, right on, right on. So how about uh how about movies? Like uh, what what was like visually? What was like the first film you saw that you went, oh yes, this. It's got to be Blade Runner. Sure. I mean, it's a classic <laughs> For a long time, Blade Runner was like my favorite film, but then I decided actually, no, Ghost in the Shell, mm. like 1995 version, of course, not the new, uh, new rubbish, which I've not even seen. Um, Same, yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, a lot of stuff like that kind of thing. Tron, I love Tron. Um a lot of the kind of slightly older things. Um, I got a soft spot, real soft spot for um, Johnny Mnemonic. You know, yeah, yeah. it's not a great film, but it is a great film. Hey, it's got a cyber dolphin. <laughs> yeah, likewise, Hackers. Like Hackers for me is like a super kind of cyberpunk film in a way, even though it's, it's set in the present day. But uh, it's so got that vibe. Yeah, yeah. I like stuff that kind of puts the cyberpunk overlay on top of like modern life, you know, almost not, not quite Truman show, but like, I'm trying to think, uh, well, I mean, speaking of Stevenson, he had that Reem D book. That's basically just gunfights and car chases for like hundreds of pages, but all of that technology in it is like available, you know, a person of interest, even, you know, to a certain yeah. degree. I mean, that's, that's an interesting thing with, um, uh, William Gibson's blue Ant trilogy. You know, if you mm. look on the back cover, it says file under science fiction, but there are actually no science fiction elements at all in it. And yeah. um, he actually he actually said that he set out to write that those books set entirely in the present day, but to see if he could give them a real kind of science fiction cyberpunk vibe, even without any future technology or anything like that. And I found that really interesting. Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's an interesting exercise. That's now punk, right? That's uh, what Bruce Sterling called it. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'm for it. 100% for it. <laughs> Me too. I mean, yeah. PlayStation's making VR rigs now. How far can we be from <laughs> whatever, you know, actually just holograms of Pokemon in your street? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to fry my brain in a new way. That's that's a nightmare I didn't know I wanted. Uh, anyhow, so when did you start writing, Rob? Like oh, really, really young, actually, um, you know, kind of teenage before, uh, earlier even maybe, um, mm-hmm. nothing worth reading, obviously, but, um, I guess I wrote the first thing, first thing I ever actually kind of felt like was, um, something I was kind of happy with was, uh, must've been when I was in my mid twenties, I guess like I'm 42 now. Um, and yeah, it's a story that I sent to, uh, Interzone. Um, they didn't publish it, but I've kind of reworked it and it's going to be in the new collection of, of stories that I'm working on. Awesome. So probably I'd say, yeah, early mid twenties was when I started writing stuff that I felt was kind of, kind of my voice. Right. That's the trick too, isn't it? You'll spend years and years putting words on paper for some damn reason. And then, one day you're like, what if I just wrote like I spoke or thought, you know? Yeah. 
it seems like an obvious thing and it's not <laughs> you know it's it's funny you say that because reading rob's work it's very much the character's voice it's really interesting reading all, all uh, different stories that you've done rob and each mm-hmm. one is so unique in the per- how the person acts the slang like it's it's there and you, it's you know you're every time i read your work i know you wrote it but it's, every time I read it, it's always so character-centric. And oh, I love really? that so much. Yeah. Yeah, I actually struggle. Like, if I realize that I'm struggling with the story, it's usually because it's not first person. Mm. And uh, mm. but that's the thing. I think that's the trick is to, for the for how I write anyway, it's about really getting into the character's head and like really almost kind of becoming the character in a way. But at the same time, that's filtered through your own voice as a writer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Definitely. Um, I was rereading uh, nothing but politics getting ready for this. And uh, there was this one particular part that I really liked a lot. Um, let's see. It's like right on the second page. I cannot remember. Where are their names? Cause I'm trying to figure out who said this, but it's, it's, it's basically like, this admission that, you know, the paper is trash, you know, conspiracy theory mostly, right? Uh, but it tells you how people are thinking. And this idea that you can glean information from, I don't know, mainstream, I guess, politics or mainstream media um, is very interesting to me. Because, like, it isn't often very useful, <laughs> like, to watch, you know, the Today Show in the morning or something like that. Um, they're just kind of going to bop topics on the head real quick and they're going to hit you with this one about like this tornado that hit and destroyed some house and the very next story is about a rescued puppy so they're like very manipulative and there is a usefulness to kind of watching that just to see where you know the general populace is at and in the story you know this idea is about knowing your customer you know knowing the person around you so you know who and how to deal with them um I don't know. I, I, it's it's a lot. It, it gave me a lot of thinking for like a few lines of dialogue. And I, I really appreciated that. Yeah, it's funny. I kind of, I'd almost forgotten that actually. It's been a while since I went back and reread that story. But I think that's something, I think that's a theme that comes up, you know, over and over kind of understanding the zeitgeist and even understanding, um, you know, if you, you think about what people care about, but it's also about how people are being manipulated, which tells you about how the powers that be, what they care about, or, mm-hmm. you know, it's kind of like, yeah, we can, we watch, you know, various kind of, um, you know, people across the political spectrum making asses of themselves. <laughs> and, uh, it's like, okay, On the regular. It's rubbish, but it tells you, it's, it's like, it's like, again, what William Gibson said, like, I think this is like probably, you know, out of all the essays and stuff that I've read of his, this is the thing that stuck with me the most, as he said that, and I think this is true, and the point he's making is, across all of science fiction, not just cyberpunk and his own work, mm-hmm. is that it's written about the time in which it's written. It's about now, it's not about when it's set. Right. And I think that's why when cyberpunk happened back in the day, you know, if you ignore all the kind of style aspect of it it's about you know people's for the first time 
in history, getting worried about digital technology, getting worried about information economy, getting worried about corporate power. And I think, you know, that kind of died down a bit. And now it's kind of back again. And people are starting to worry about all that stuff again, you know, quite rightly. And, um, Mm. and so, yeah, it kind of goes back into that same thing of understanding actually where people are coming from, even if you really disagree with them, even if you think they've been idiots, it's like, well, why, why does that person think that, you know, mm-hmm. even yeah. if it's absolutely wrong, you know, okay, it's because they've been manipulated or something else. And I think that's, um, you know, it's a really useful kind of tool to have in your, in your arsenal. Mm, definitely. I mean, I think that's a, a very important point. You know, the idea of, I think Corey Doctor has said something along those lines too, where, you know, he, he's like, I'm not trying to predict the future. I'm trying to accurately document the present, you know, and that's why so much of the stuff seems so accurate. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. boy, they really nailed what's going on. You know, not like predicting the future so much, but really even 1984, you know, talking about the idea of a perpetual, always on, always looking at you, checking everything that you do, you know. Yeah. The well, was original title for 1984 was 1948. <laughs> Man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Not surprising. I got a I, strangely. I got a chill from that. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> I was just thinking of his editor saying, you know, hey, hey, stay with me on this. Let's just swap out the last two numbers, man. Let's just real quick, real quick. Yeah. You don't want to freak him out that bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think. I mean, yeah, I think or, that's uh, or fair. That's why do one. I mean. That also seems like Mildred and her television friends seems very uh, oh, very yeah. prescient of, you know, how people uh, interact with, you know, Twitch streamers nowadays. Um, oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it was really just an extrapolation of what um, uh, Ray Bradbury uh, saw in that time, I think, too. I heard that the original title was Fahrenheit 154. <laughs> I, 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 come on, I had to. I had to. So coming back to your, your work, Rob, um, and predictions of the pre- not the future, but the present, uh, your work scares the shit out of me sometimes. Okay, it's good to know. <laughs> I love in reading it, it's I remember you told me once that like where where does your inspiration for like I guess all the awful well, things because your world is devastated. Uh, well, what's up? Hold, hold on a second. So, Rob, I'm actually not uh, super familiar with your work. Can you like just give me, you know, a, a short brief on uh, what the Cyberpunk Dreams world is about? Yeah, so it's set in um, 2090s. Most of what I've written so far is set in this dystopian hellhole version of Cincinnati, though I'm starting to write stuff that's set elsewhere in the world. Mm-hmm. And it's a world in which um, you know, the United States has been torn apart by you know a series of messy civil wars yeah, you know, caused organized. by a combination of political polarization and 
creeping climate change. Now, the idea is that the Midwestern Badlands are now all the way up to where Cincinnati is, which is one of the reasons why I chose that setting, because it really brings home how far environmental degradation has come. You know, everything west of there is basically unpopulated. Yeah. And, you know, it's a huge refugee crisis. So these cities along that kind of border are, you know, huge bloated versions of what they once were, you know, full of just like, um, and so, so it's from a, from uh from one perspective it's all i've done is taken a a third world city from now say like um or a city that has a lot of um you know kind of favela and slum like say rio de janeiro or lagos Mm -hmm. from nigeria or something and just move that into a first world setting right on (laughs) i've been to cincinnati once in my life I'm actually, I'm from Ohio, but I'm from the opposite corner of the state. And um, it's, it's pretty accurate, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah I mean, so why, oh, why Cincinnati specifically? That's what I'm wondering. Yeah, it's a good question that a lot of people ask. And luckily, I do have an answer. So um, it's a couple of reasons. One is that I think from... Um, both a kind of a geographical and cultural point of view, it's kind of a crossroads in the yeah. continent of the United States. Okay. Yeah. So, and you know, I've never been there, to be honest. I've never even been to the US. But um, it's from what I've read and, and everything, it seems very much like a real kind of crossroads between north, south, east, and west. You know, it was the end of the Underground Railroad during this slave era. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's got, it's already on this kind of, this kind of borderline kind of, you know, it's, I mean, interesting kind of interstitial kind of edge land kind of spaces and it's, and it's kind of culturally and geographically, it seems to be right there. You know, you've probably seen this, but if you look at a nighttime satellite photo of the U S it's, you know, the Midwest is dark and, you know, the far West is obviously bright, you know, California, what have you. Mm-hmm. And you know, and then the eastern kind of block is bright, and and that dividing line between the bright and the dark is basically pretty much exactly the longitude of of Cincinnati. So it's a really interesting kind of crossing point from that point of view, I think. And then also just um, from a storytelling point of view, I just wanted to turn it into a huge mega city, like massive slum kind of crime and mega city, just to bring home like how much things have changed, you know, the Badlands have come all the way up to it, to where it is. And, you know, right now it's, you know, about one and a half million people have turned into like 24 million people. And the thing is, it's easy to go like, oh yeah, you like set your, you have your like huge like future mega city is like say New York or London or Sao Paulo or somewhere like that, mm-hmm. already big cities. But to take somewhere that's not nearly so large and do that to it i think kind of brings brings home the the kind of scale of change more yeah 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 Yeah, i got a couple of i got a couple of interesting facts about cincinnati for you um in nearby dayton there is an air force base called wright patterson air force base and that is the air force base that contains hangar 18 where everybody seems to think they took the roswell alien (laughs) 
Okay. <laughs> I've, I've been my uncle was in the Air Force and I spent time on that base. And I, at one point I saw it and it has just like concentric fences around it. Like you're not getting anywhere near that thing. Yeah. And I'm like, what do they do in there? And he's like, hey, it's, I don't know. But the guys that work there are fucked up. And I was like, <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, sitting in the lunchroom, reading the newspaper upside down, kind of fucked up and peering over the top of it, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, Cincinnati, Cincinnati is also known for its chili. And it's pretty good because they don't they don't fuck with beans. It's just I, meat chili. Yeah, I've heard the chili thing. I've heard the chili thing. And since I heard the chili thing, I've been making more of an effort to put chili into the game. Hell yeah. <laughs> right. I love this is gotta... awesome. Oh, yeah. That's so good. That yeah. is so good. And also, uh, I do believe Bootsy Collins is from Cincinnati, um, as well as the band The Afghan Wigs. Uh, pretty kick-ass. That's some really good music there. I love Bootsy. He's the only person that can get away with like star-shaped sunglasses. It's just that's it. Never mind that nasty bass he plays. Mm. So, uh, but yeah, no, okay. Since yeah, let's let's talk about the game a little bit. Um, how long have you been working on this thing? So I've been working on the game since 2013. Wow. Wow. Mm. I I wasn't man. I've wow. Worked, yeah, like that's not even something I've thought of. Where I'm like, how long has he been doing this? Yeah, it's like more than 6,000 man-hours I've put into it so far. Oh, hell yeah. Wow. Excellent. Yeah. It's one of those things, if I knew if I knew what would happen when I started it, I never would have started. <laughs> <laughs> well, welcome, welcome, because we also describe what we do as a sickness. Yeah. So, <laughs> you're, yeah. you're a good company. Yeah, yeah we... it as well, like, you know, some one of my players beta players asked me like a couple of weeks ago like how much of how much of the like on the understanding it's like a living game so you know it's always going to have more content but just thinking about out of all the content that you you kind of got in mind right now how much of it is in the game and i said like one percent maybe you know wow it's just like it's it's kind of crazy and you know sometimes i look at people who have like you know developed an indie game in like a year and being successful, I just think, fuck. You know? <laughs> and I'm still here grinding away at it. Instead of a release date for the sake of having, you know, something to work, you know, work towards to, to get at least a little bit of self-discipline in there. Because the other thing is like, you know, when you work on projects, there's this thing called the critical path, which is the things that really must be done to launch. Mm-hmm. And unless you've got like, a project manager breathing down your neck or something like a deadline you work on almost anything apart from the critical path mm-hmm. and yeah. you know that's definitely where i've been at it a lot but i mean it's good because people people really like the level of detail in the game with all the different interactions and stuff and that's why it's there because i did just kind of let myself loose a little bit just worked on whatever i wanted that's great well yeah. i mean i think I'm, that'll I'm make in. i think that'll make the uh, game better for the that at least yeah Mm -hmm. yeah because i you were nice enough to uh shoot me a demo or the beta key and uh i was was playing again last night and that's the thing that always hits me every time i boot it up is my god there's a lot of writing in this yeah there's so much and there's so many like events and once you finally get like enough of a skill to actually like advance one of the little story threads that you get it's there was so much writing in this game. <laughs> yeah. 1.7 million words at the moment. Oh, God. Oh, wow. wow. Man. 
are there even that many words in the world? Yeah. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's three times the length of Lord of the Rings, to put it in context. Wow. Yeah. Oh, that's, what that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Surface. And you said you said one percent of the content that you want. Yeah, I mean it's a lifetime's work. It's, it's just kind of crazy. Yeah, you know, I'm starting to have some people collaborate on it, which is great because otherwise, you know, I, I would never even. That's actually how the project started out. Like when I first thought of it, like if you look at my domain name for it, it was first registered in like 2003, I think, or something, which is when I first. Wow. Had this idea. Yeah. And the idea initially, like, I had not even thought of the idea of a game. I thought, because, you know, I was reading, you know, I read a lot of science fiction, mm-hmm. and a lot of writers kind of set all their work in like a consistent world, like, you know, Ian you know, Banks with the Culture series and like uh, uh-huh. Reynolds with Re- Re- Revelation Space and Larry Niven with, you know, Ringworld and what have you. And I thought, even like, even if you spent your life, writing about one fictional world you never even scratch the surface of everything that's in there so even if so i thought you know why not have a group kind of um group writing project so that was my first idea and i never really did anything with it but it's kind of um it's kind of come full circle now in that respect having some more kind of collaborators that's that yeah well you said you just uh i saw an update that you just got music yep just added music to the game oh uh, pause please we have a helicopter uh i'll leave it in we'll keep going <laughs> they're coming i have you have to i'm in a basement and it's it's funny because like there was complaints about helicopters flying because i'm right above i'm next to a freeway and everything and it's not supposed to really be a flight corridor because it's neighborhoods and everything and I'll say, like, for the last, say, six months, it's been just, like, taxi service for very large helicopters. Like, constant boom, 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 right over the house. It's very... It adds to my sense of dystopia living this close to the capital. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, I was like, I wonder why. Yeah. Uh, So I won't even flinch when it actually matters. You know what I mean? I'm like, ah, it's just a chopper. Yeah. But going back to uh, going back to the game, yeah. When I tuned in last night to it again, it's the music's really good, guys. Okay, yeah, cool. yeah it's uh, really nice. It's a lot. Who'd you get to do it? Yeah, I got some feedback. It was a bit, a bit kind of tension inducing, so I might put some more like chilled out stuff in. We'll see how uh-huh. it goes. Mm. It's a uh, yeah, it's appropriate for the game because it's a uh, us on the guys before it's it is both slow, but it's it's it's. <laughs> Considering where you are in this game, it's you are living the life of a person living in this place and you have a mission and it's up to you to figure out what that mission is. But so it's both like intense and sometimes scary, sometimes like not erotic, just it's you're living a life and it can be slow, but it's also like, yeah, it's kind of chill, chill, kind of relaxing in some ways. It's really interesting, like how you balance, how that's balanced out between feral children and going to get enough money to eat today <laughs> like yeah that was like one of the well go ahead i was gonna say i, I really I, I can appreciate that because i too am in my 40s and i don't really have the twitch response that i used to you know when i was younger playing you know like precision racing games or fighting games or anything like that 
And uh, just recently I've fallen into Disco Elysium and I am ready for more <laughs> thoughtful, yeah. well-wrought, you know, just a place to inhabit as opposed to a series of goals to achieve. You know what I mean? Something that'll let you take time as opposed to something that's always trying to hurry you to the next set piece. You know, I, uh, I am getting old. <laughs> um, I, I mean, see. there's something to be said for a game that lets you chew the scenery a bit. Um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, then the way you make this game sound, Rob, it just, uh, it sounds, it sounds like a very, I don't want to say novel experience because that just makes it sound, I don't know, gimmicky, but um, it just sounds, it sounds like you took the gameplay um, and you're, you're taking it in a different direction from how games with that sort of narrative uh, usually seem to go, which is just several paths going in the same direction. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't really, I never really was interested in doing something that was basically uh, a conversation tree, you know, no matter how elaborate it was. I mean, Mm -hmm. not that I've got anything against that. Something like Red String Clubs, Red String Club is, uh, is great. And that's basically what that 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 is. But yeah. Yeah. um, But it's, uh, yeah. So the idea with this is it's, it's kind of an open world game, but, but text-based, which is, Mm -hmm kind of i don't know again i'm not sure i really set out to do exactly that but that's definitely how it turned out you know there's survival mechanics and that's really fucking cool i like that yeah Yeah. it definitely as 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 somebody who has spent over 110 hours playing cyberpunk 27 7 i'm telling you right now when does this launch (laughs) when does this launch it's a good question it launches in on 14th of May. 14th. Oh, right on. Okay. Oh, yeah. sick. Wow. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're getting it here first, ladies and gents, and germs yeah. and everything in between. Yeah. You got to launch in a long. month and a, a month and a week. Yeah. What, uh, yeah. what platforms? I, I kind of oscillate between completely panicking and being chilled out about it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the appropriate response. You're going to do this great. Is, this is you panic now, right? Pretty much. This is my panic voice. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, excellent excellent which platforms is it coming out for rob so it's gonna be pc linux mac okay nice literally that all three of us have one of those regretting regretting saying that was going to support mac and linux for launch because it's a it's a hassle but it's going to happen and then Depending on how things go with it, developing feature content and stuff are almost certainly be mobile versions, hopefully within the year. Oh, Sick. wow. Cool. Wow. Yeah, I, can see, I, can see that. I can see this game yeah. we are doing really well on mobile. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah to be honest, I think it would actually probably do better on mobile. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I just don't have the skills to do it myself. So I just uh, worked on what I knew. Oh, man. I don't well, even have a mobile. Man. Oh, right on. Oh, Once we get back to the world and I'm on a train again, that would be perfect for me. Oh, yeah. Man. That's like, the, that's like the uh, weird augmented reality this game is going to do because like you're really hammer in how much of another life you're living in this game, in this awful, spectacular place. 
with feral children. I don't know. That's the part I'm at right now. <laughs> it wasn't a feral child. I mean, growing, <laughs> up, in the, growing up in the wilds of Ohio. <laughs> yeah. Eating dirt. Come on. <laughs> I can confirm, guys. I mean, just children saying, are it's... sociopaths. So, you know. I don't know. No better. <laughs> Uh, I was a child once. Oh, God. Yeah, then they taught me the language. God damn it. <laughs> Anyhow. Yeah, so, uh, I, you know, I'll open the floor up. Uh, I don't know. What do, you, what do you want to talk about, Rob? I mean, is there anything that's been on your mind lately, aside from everything to get this game launched? Yeah, just, I mean, working on that, I want to... Um... You know, I do have a lot of writing, including, uh, like I said, new collection of stories that I want to finish as well. I really have to finish. I'm working on a novel um, as well that's also set in the in the same world. A um, bunch of other projects as well. Probably next thing is going to be a comic book set in the world. I've got a I've got a board game that's in progress that's also set in the world, but. I mean, it's it's funny when you work on something like this, it kind of becomes everything. But in a way, it's also kind of a, what's the word? Um, like, you know, a millstone around your neck as well. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. you kind of think entirely in these terms and these characters and everything. But, you know, there's a lot of other stuff that I, you know, I used to think about and want to write about. But um, it's all kind of, you know, so maybe at some point get back to that might be interesting. Right on, right on. Uh, so, I mean, that, that was a question I think we wanted to ask you too, is uh, how, how do you, let's compare dystopias. Yeah, <laughs> let, let's talk about that because I was curious about this. Your work is very like, I didn't, when we first met, I didn't realize you were from the UK. Because after reading your work, I'm like, this is accurate. And then I find you're in the UK and I'm like, oh, so you're removed. You could look at all of our bullshits. So <laughs> comparing comparing our dystopias, what do you what do you think of us just running around screaming over here compared to what's your running around screaming compared to ours? Yeah. I mean, it's um it's hard to say, isn't it? Especially at the moment, because you know, we're still basically in lockdown, even if things are opening up a bit. Yeah. You know, people tend to complain, I think, over here, but never really do anything. You know, yeah. if problems could be solved by sharing on social media, then we'd be in a great place. But, uh, you know, <laughs> like I said, you know, there has been a bit more kind of, I wouldn't say um, rioting, but there's been a bit more trouble recently in the streets in this country with this new thing that the government are trying to do. But, yeah, it's kind of it's it's kind of crazy looking at the states from the outside. It's like I'm not saying anything here is you know perfect by any means, but it's like another <laughs> level over there. You just kind of think like, what the what the actual fuck? You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's yeah, yeah. I mean, every day. Yeah, I have nothing. <laughs> I have nothing to add. I mean, I watched, I don't know, 9, 12, 16 hours of parlor footage earlier this year just to kind of take notes. And I it's the whole time I'm just sitting there like glazed over. Like, really? This is just yeah. like right down the road. This is happening. These idiots. These idiots are right down the road. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> it's not know why it's happening. And to an extent, like you can't even necessarily blame them. 
because there's so much like heavy manipulation and there's this whole thing of um you know with conspiracy theories it's almost oh, yeah. like yeah there's this yeah. whole psychology of almost like the more intelligent you are the more at risk of mm-hmm. getting involved yeah. in conspiracy theories yes um mm-hmm. yeah which is the yes. crazy thing but well, um, when you get smart enough you can convince yourself of anything you know and yeah. that's that's the danger is like not being able to check that because like you know, you got to look at the average too. You got to kind of back out of it. I mean, I got a couple of conspiracy theories that roll around in my head for the last, you know, 20 some years, but it's, I'm not like about to get a tattoo about it. You know, it's. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm convinced the world is a simulation. I don't go around, you know, treating life like it's a video game. So. Right. Right. <laughs> as much as I would like to just, steal an automobile i'm just not gonna do it you know like it's it looks fun in grand theft auto but i'm not sure how far (laughs) i get in a jetta uh so i'll uh, so i won't be there with you as we storm area 51 yeah that's my that's my uh dream conspiracy theory is what is here yeah remember when that happened yeah it was beautiful it's great oh yeah that was was, uh well scum didn't you uh like telepathic didn't you astral project to area 51 because of oh, that, yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, that cult that you're a part of yeah 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 we're gonna i joined a cult so all everyone else doesn't have to and uh someday <laughs> i'll finish writing about that but yeah i'm part of a digital cult don't worry about it don't think about it too much it's all right but, yeah. oh yeah well i own the nft for that digital cult <laughs> i got i got nothing <laughs> uh, that's, uh, yeah that raises a good question um i don't know if NFTs aren't uniquely American, but Rob, what is your take on blockchain and NFTs? Yes, so um, I just think it's, uh, you know, I'm not a big fan of blockchain and kind of so many people seem to be. Mm -hmm. And especially, you know, in the kind of slightly more underground kind of tech savvy world. And it's like, even if you ignore the cost of mining, there's like it's... um, it's like the opposite of scalable, you know, it's mm-hmm. crazy. Like single transact cost of a single transaction in, in terms of energy is, is just like bizarrely huge and it's getting bigger and bigger. So, I mean, obviously, you know, technology has, it's always going to have its uses, but yeah, the whole NFT thing just seems like a bubble to me. It just seems kind of ridiculous. Yeah. And, I mean, it's not as if there's not like other, like if you really want to buy art, then buy some art, you know, yeah you don't have to you know just because it's new uh but you know the other thing is that i feel like with cryptocurrencies especially they don't actually solve um the problem inherent in currency which is which is value that's locked into the system so from that point of view it's kind of useless you can't see it but i have said those exact words (laughs) i've got both of my hands in the air right now i almost cheered because it's you're right, it doesn't. It just tr- takes all the problems of currency that we have and just shuttles them over to another currency. It's not like better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's harder to get. You know, like uh, how is that good? Compare it to the way stocks are, because like obviously we're priced out of. At least we are priced out of being able to participate in the cryptocurrency economy. And I feel the stocks are very much almost the same way, at least the ones that matter, right? Mm-hmm. So how would you feel, like, would it be comparable to, like, stocks? Is cryptocurrency going to become, like, the new 
play toy of the rich pertaining to like generating wealth or is it just going to basically just pop and go away? I mean, it's hard to say, isn't it? It could go. I think it could go either way, but at the moment it just, it's always felt like a bubble really. I mean, I know you can actually spend Bitcoin on real stuff now, but yeah, it just feels like a, it feels like a kind of pointless exercise. Mm. Like the stock market. Yeah. I, I just think about that guy that spent like one Bitcoin on a Domino's pizza delivery, like back when this all started. And it was like yeah. all over the news. And I was like, I what are you? And now it's, you know, that pizza is now worth like $58,000 or some shit because of like the cause or sometimes, I don't know. It goes yeah. up and down. I mean, I know someone who, who did really well out of like speculating on it early days and, you know, not a rich guy or anything, guy just like us, like old mm-hmm. housemate actually. And, uh, you know, if you were able to do that, then great, you know, not begrudging that, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, as a kind of um, solution to anything in the world, I don't think it, is one yeah 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 it seems like a lot of well wankery really honestly yeah. i love that word you have no idea i've appropriated it for years uh, <laughs> damn it <laughs> oh man all right so uh yeah well hey that was a lot of fun you got anything wait, wait, else wait, on wait. your mind or what, what yeah that's yeah. where hey no we ain't done yet all right cool yeah good so i so Rob, um, I last I heard there was a bill passed for a um, some sort of program, some sort of predictive software in the UK that um, if someone was displaying, say, maybe suicidal thoughts on social media, they would maybe get like an email from um, some government. I don't remember the the details, but does this ring a bell to you at all? Um, like really vaguely. Yeah. Um. So if, say, someone's uh, expressing like violent thoughts on social media or something, um, someone will, uh, this software is able to predict whether or not someone is in danger of doing something harmful and they will maybe send a message um, recommending uh, therapists or suicide hotlines or something like that um, at first and, you know, ranging on the severity of this person's behavior, I guess. Um, Yeah. Does any of that make sense? (laughs) yeah i mean it's um this is ringing a bell i'm not sure if it's like actually something that was passed into law or maybe something that the police were just like looking at i mean my first cynical thought is that our government can't could not organize a piss up in a brewery so there's no danger (laughs) you know they spent 22 billion pounds on the track and trace app that just did nothing didn't work. Wow. Like billion? At least you know what? At least you did something because we did. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean the point the thing is that the guy who who's like the chairman or whatever of that company, 
who got 23 billion, did nothing, and have since been awarded even more government contracts is Boris Johnson's best mate. But Mm, mm. um, yeah, no, I mean, stuff like that, getting back to the original point, um, you know, this conversation's a lot been about science fiction. And of course, we haven't mentioned one of the main kind of precursors to cyberpunk, Philip K. Dick. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, that's. You know, you get. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Oh, it's very yeah, very minority report. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it's like you know, um, which story is it? You know, with the precogs, and um, you know, it's just like kind of that's always the question with technology, isn't it? It's like yeah, you could have a use case for it that's like really beneficial. You know, you if you can analyze someone's social media behavior and stop them committing suicide, that's great, but that won't be the only use of, you know where do you draw the line of between that and you know arresting someone for a crime they've not even committed you know because yeah. mm-hmm. that's that's the slope isn't it like the slippery slope like it's always it, these things are always presented as a service as it were benefit to society Right, but then you know it stretches and stretches. It's it's kind of like, for example, like this this whole situation with the the satellite, the uh, uh, Myanmar satellite being held by the Japanese on the ISS. It's not a military satellite, but it does have cameras, and the cameras aren't they're for agriculture. But there's nothing to say that they couldn't turn that, you know, and focus elsewhere. Yeah. There's nothing stopping them. You know what I mean? Like you, once you put the thing out in the world, <laughs> you're not really sure what it's going to do. That's yeah. like this maniac who wants to like gather up all of our social media information so it could resurrect us from the dead. It it's it's like that, but dumb. Mm. It's like just because you well, can doesn't mean you should. Yeah, it's like the co-founder of Neuralink's now. His his new bullshit is talking about like we we could do some Jurassic Park stuff, and I'm like, you know, we made a movie about how that's a <laughs> bad idea, man. You yeah. know? What is it with these idiots? Like they read his fucking sci-fi, but they don't get the point. You know, they, they don't understand. It's like, no, this is not to be emulated. You don't, <laughs> you don't yeah. want to have a giant TV with a camera on it in your house. Oh, wait. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. Science fiction. I mean, cyberpunk, it was a, it's a warning, not a, uh, not a cheat sheet, you know? Mm-hmm. With your work, Rob, it's like reading your stuff. I never once felt that this is something to emulate. <laughs> it's, because it's just so like, there were parts of it that are cool and parts of it that like would have been cool in my youth, especially when it goes, when um, some of your stories about youthful characters. Yeah. But it's like, they're never in a situation where I'm like, boy, I can't wait. I wish I could do that. Yeah. yeah. I wish I could just make, sell drugs and make enough money to replace my balls. Like that's <laughs> yeah, basically that's how it works. I believe it. Oh Lord. Yeah. I got mm-hmm. nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I am. I've been distracted by somebody's dog. I, I have you been hearing that the whole time? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You've been hearing that the whole time. Is that on the? Oh, damn it. Yeah. Damn it, Aesop. <laughs> it's fine. It's all good. I'll be. I'm going to be doing a lot of engineering on this episode, folks. <laughs> uh, all right. Well. Well. Hey. Um, yeah. I. I just want to. What? What's up? Well, I. I just wanted to shoot the shit for a little bit you know i uh, ask rob what is uh what 
What kind of games have you been playing lately, Rob? Like, what, what kind of uh, yeah. cyberpunk games? Uh, so, um, yeah, I've not been playing so many games recently. I've been sticking to Netflix a bit more. But, uh, yeah, Red Strings Club, which is great. Yeah. Um, haven't finished haven't finished one playthrough yet, to be honest, which is kind of a bit slack. But uh, this Elysium, I got about three hours into that, and they announced the uh, the deluxe version. So I was like, okay going to stop and wait for that to happen um so i was going to restart that but yeah no the recently like i haven't been playing a lot of kind of games that you'd probably call cyberpunk invisible ink i guess a little bit but you know i don't really i don't really play much new stuff yeah. um so you know and been thinking about playing 2077 at some point but it's not yeah. going to happen anytime soon might get, <laughs> yeah, might get into it at some point but uh yeah. Oh. Yeah, well, so to answer your question a lot, but uh, you know, like it, like anyone who's got Steam, I've got a very long list of unplayed games. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what if you uh any besides um stuff you've been working on? What uh any uh books, any reading, cyberpunk or not? I'm just always interested in people's reading habits. Yeah. So I just finished reading a book called This Is. Hard to pronounce to like actually get what it what it says, but to like the lightning, which um, yeah. by hang on, I've got a copy of it here. It's um, by Ada Ada Palmer. Yeah, and um, that sounds familiar. That book, you know, occasionally you read a book that just kind of spoils reading for you. And yeah. it's just it's one of those like I started another book by someone else who's a really good author. And it just seems like kind of weak in, compar- in comparison to this thing. Yeah. Like, it's not just what it's about, but the way it's written. You know, it's a science fiction book set several centuries in the future, but written in the style of an 18th century novel yeah. and just incredible. Um, I think my favorite book that I've read in the last year or more or so is probably The Light Brigade by Cameron Hurley. Just it's now my favorite book of all time. Took over for Neuromancer, and uh, yeah, just uh, just uh, amazing book, and um, just totally yeah, I found it really moving. Maybe because of where I was at at the time as well. Like, but uh, um, you know, I went straight into. Uh, I finished it on the way to an ayahuasca retreat, so that was uh, that was pretty intense. <laughs> 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 so uh yeah but yeah i do read quite a lot even if i've not been gaming much i do I always make room for reading good. right on good how about uh, how about some music what have you been uh, have you been listening to anything uh lately i listen to a lot of synthwave dark wave especially kind of psychedelic ambient quite a lot like oh, right and that kind of thing but yeah i got really into um like a lot of people, like the film Drive was my gateway drug into synthwave. Yeah. So yeah, what kind of what kind of ambient are you into? That's uh, it's kind of my wheelhouse. I really I really like ambient a lot. Okay. Yeah. I used to listen to like almost entirely ambient for years. Like I don't know if you know Soma FM and the Drone Zone. Yeah. Yeah. Tuned into that a lot. Still do. Yeah. Um, they got a bunch of channels, but those the ambient ones were amazing yeah so but i listen to um 
like back in the day, I was really into psychedelic trance. So, but now more kind of psychedelic ambient. So a lot of the ultimate kind of stuff, carbon-based life forms, mm. back, you know, um, Dreaming Cooper, that kind of stuff. So that's probably what I listen to the most, to be honest, these days. It's good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I don't know. It can sound like, if you're not really into it, it probably sounds a bit bland. But if you get really into it, I just find it really kind of, um, I don't want to say like deep, sounds a bit pretentious, but really kind of evocative for yeah. me. Oh, there's all those textures and stuff and uh, just really cool tricks being pulled with like, especially some of the older stuff. They were using like patch bay mugs and all that. You know, these like amazing bass drops before people knew what they were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's all I got. I mean, I think that was all I was going to ask. I'm just, I was just really excited to hear your voice for the first time. But <laughs> yeah, it's always weird when you've been talking to someone online for a while, you never actually heard them talk. I know we've known each other for how long, and this is like the first time we're actually like yeah. physically speaking. <laughs> yeah, about two, three years. Yeah, at least. Years, yeah, yeah. You know, I don't know if I ever told you. I think I did, but. uh yeah, nothing but politics. That was the first thing that I ever got published. So, oh, really? Yeah, I, mean, I love what we're learning this now. <laughs> I, could I could have sworn that I told you that. Like, no, I don't remember. I would have remembered that. Well, okay, fair enough. Maybe I didn't, but yeah. I mean, it's not <laughs> like I submitted a lot of things before then, but I was just like, you know, I really want to start submitting stuff again and like see if I can get anywhere. Like, because you know, it's a tough world trying to submit to mm-hmm. like magazines, partly because there's not even like that many science fiction magazines that are even worth submitting to, you know. Mm. Yeah, you know, and uh, so it was just like, yeah, that was the first thing I'd submitted in ages, wow. and yeah, it was just like, you know, accepted. I was just like, yeah, well, that, was, uh, that was awesome at the time, I was well stoked. <laughs> I'm so glad because when we were doing the Low Life magazine, it was. I remember it was something I really wanted to do and I ended up getting your email and I'm like reading this story and I'm like, coin ops, you need to fucking read this. Like, <laughs> this is the shit. And I'm like, he's like, what's it about? And it's, Oh God, who are they? Cl- who are they all trying to look like? They, they all look like or something. James Dean. James yeah. Dean. I'm like, I'm trying, I'm telling you, I'm like, it's about a gang and they all look like, and they're all look like James Dean and they're talking about <laughs> politics. And you're like, yes. <laughs> well also yeah. that was the uh that was the political issue that yeah. Was the, uh, yeah it was and i'm trying to remember if i wrote that specifically for that theme or not i can't remember it i think, I must, have done. Yeah, I, think I must have done because it was a really good fit wasn't it mm-hmm. oh, yeah. it was really yeah. good yeah and it's i still think about, i still think about it sometimes that entire thing and it was just the perfect time in history to do it and I, yeah. still can't, I still can't believe those are like your first published work. I'm so happy. <laughs> yeah, no, it's cool. And then, and then that's how I met uh, Luke, who's now done like all the illustration for my game as well. Hell so, yeah. yeah. The mighty Luke Mulver, Billy Pineapple. Yeah. So that's Shout kind out. of crazy how all that works out. Yeah. Oh, just everything. Like we met so many people doing that magazine and like I wouldn't have, you know, become editor of Neon Dystopia if we didn't do the magazine. And Isaac, for some reason, made me senior editor. And yeah, 
Yeah, first, uh, I don't know why. But <laughs> well, it was probably between you or me, and I mean, if I took it over, then we we would be we would be in trouble. We would be fine. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. But well, then you guys black doing this podcast. How many episodes I got left before I'm free, guys? <laughs> never. You're never. Free. Never. All right. No. You signed the contract in blood. You're mine now. And I'm shoes. <laughs> uh, yes. All right. Well, hey, yeah, that was that was fun. That was great. That was that was a great ending. <laughs> that's uh, that's really good. Even even uh, Aesop, who was in the room with me now, is uh, just gonna keep crying unless I keep petting. Oh, did we, did we? Did you cut it? Are we done? <laughs> No, no, we're still live. We're still oh, okay, good, 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 good. I'm glad <laughs> you have, caught that. We haven't even thanked Rob for his time yet, yeah, but thank you, thank you, Rob. Thank you. Yeah, right. It's been great. Well, it good to this was you. a lot of fun. Yes. Yeah. Very good to meet you. So you can check uh, check Rob out. Go to Steam and look up Cyberpunk Dreams. Uh, also, cyberpunkdreams1word.com is his website where you can sign up for updates and stuff. Um Come on, it's it's dwarfing the Lord of the Rings, pun intended. <laughs> yeah, wish listed. Uh, where can uh, where can anybody find some of your writing? So yeah, if you go on if you go on the site sidepointdreams.com, there's uh, you can there's some stuff to or you can buy some stuff. There's uh, the book is actually for sale on there. Amazon also there's a Kindle version on Amazon, and. Um, Sign up for the newsletter and you get a you get a free short story or two. I think awesome. It's very cool. Yeah, yeah. And so, we'll, what's we'll, your uh, handle on Twitter, Rob? Handle on Twitter is surprisingly enough, Cyberpunk Dreams. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the game one. I don't I don't really use Twitter myself. I do have an account, but it's it's private. So envious. Nice. I'm envious of that. Yeah. Oh. I, I sat on mine for years before I started using it just because I didn't want anybody to take it. <laughs> Twitter is a, is, is, is a bad drug for me. So it's, yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a dumpster fire. I regret it every time I go on. There. <laughs> it's like oh, getting yeah. a bottle of cheap vodka. You know, you get it. And then you partake, and then you immediately ask yourself, "Why? Why did I do this? Why am I doing doing this to my own body?" I never once did that. I mean, regret. I've done the cheap vodka many times. I've had it. <laughs> I always thought of it as like, yeah, yeah, like Steel Reserve. You know, the the forty that's in the plastic bottle. Yeah. You know, yeah. you've been there at some point. <laughs> and especially that stuff for white lightning, which is like the cheapest cider you can get your hands on. Oh, Hell yeah. Yeah, we've all been there at some point. <laughs> There's this one, oh God. And uh I'm I'm on a mission to try it. It's called Buckfast. I've heard things about Buckfast. I think it's Scottish though. Like or some monks make it and they only deliver it to like one borough. But like the tag I always see with it is Buckfast gets you fucked fast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's probably a Scottish thing. They love their uh they love a wee drink up there. Oh man. Yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Um, I, I I descend from that, so like yeah, it's <laughs> Can confirm. You know? <laughs> yeah. So when the uh, when the plague ends by 2050, 
I would love it if you we could get you over here, or we go over there and just drink the worst things we could find of our respected cultures. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, we'd have to bring you to Chicago so that you could have um, Malort. Oh, no, don't do that to him. Yeah, it's it, Malort. Okay, if you ever go to Chicago and someone offers you a shot of Malort, there's a few things you need to know. One, they have to. Like, it's in the rules or something. Um, two, it's it's a mean joke. <laughs> okay. And three, it will... I don't know if you've ever had... I'm trying to think. Like, a super aromatic liqueur. Like, a, with an anise in it or something. You know, like... Um, oh, I don't even know. Like, a peppermint schnapps or something. But, like, run through moldy raisin bread toast and dipped in toilet tank water. And then that's Malort. I mean, okay. it's the only yeah. beverage in, I've ever winced from. Like, literally, like, what? You know, like... Ah! Had yeah, right, Ace, exactly. Um, he knows what I'm talking about. It's it's awful. It's like you wonder yeah. who how they invented this. It's a dare in drink form. That's all it is. It's it's a challenge. It's evil. Who why would you do that? God damn it. And then they, they didn't have it for a while. They brought it back. I don't why. why? <laughs> You're not using it to clean chrome? What are you doing with it? Like this is this is the worst. Anyway, um, yeah, so <laughs> that's that. Wow. That yeah, was, that was a tangent. Just, yeah, that was a tangent. It's it, That's how these end. We haven't figured out our ending yet. Um, but uh, yeah, you can find us also on uh, neondystopia.com. Um, our Twitter is L0WL1F3THE, which I'm not changing. And Beyond dystopia on Twitter, uh, I you will be contacting me directly, and I love hearing from you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, thanks for listening. We'll oh, catch are you. We soon. Uh, also gonna uh, you know pimp the Patreon a little bit. Oh yeah, we front's going live today, guys. Yeah. Oh yeah. shit, guys! The Patreon it's it's live. Yeah. Oh yeah. So of two days ago. Um, if you're listening to this in the future or <laughs> later, if you're listening to this timeline. Yeah. April 7th, okay? April 7th is when it goes live. So, you know, check it out. Check out the video. Uh, let us know what you think and help us keep the lights on. Uh, we will be talking to you later. Take care. Peace. Bye. 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 Bye.